0: Hello. Hello. Yo, what's up, man? Good. How are you? Oh, doing great. I'm over here, just at the home office. You might hear some uh, some construction in the background. Our neighbors have been like just gutting their house completely, and it's just it's been uh, a little aggravating for me as I'm trying to get work done. But <laughs> hopefully, <it'll be> <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Of course. Uh, well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, I've been looking forward to this one. This uh, this topic is is obviously near and dear to my heart, and plays a huge role in in what I want to see in in the future of our of our media landscape and the future for Savior Sons. And so, it's something that we should be talking more about more often. And I'm really grateful to be here today.
1: Yeah. Well, let's let's start off just by talking about things that we, that you have, uh, your inspirations from your childhood, like the things you grew up watching, reading, um, how, how those shaped you. we will just chat about that a little bit. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. It's funny, man. So uh, one of my big, one of my, I guess thesis statements for, for, for the state of the world is that we really discount the role that media plays in our reality. So we don't understand just how influential the media that we consume is on us. And it's that there's no time in our lives when that's more true than when we're kids because we're so impressionable, we're so malleable. Everything that's coming in is sticking a lot harder than it would when you're an adult and you're distracted by a million other things and responsibilities. And so the stories that we hear as, chil- as children, the stories we tell our kids, The media they watch, the the TV we let them watch, the screen time we let them have, the music we let them listen to is all shaping their reality. And it's not just shaping their reality for for the age they are then, it's shaping the entire rest of their lives. And that's something that I, it took me a long time to figure out, but I spent a lot of the time, a lot of my time in my early twenties, I'm 36 now, I'll be 37 soon, in my early twenties, undoing a lot of that crap, undoing a lot of that damage because I didn't realize it, and my parents didn't realize it, but when I was younger, I mean, they used to plot me down in front of uh, at twelve years old, thirteen years old. They wouldn't plot me down, but they, you know, they were working and they were busy. They weren't paying attention to what I was doing, and I would just turn on MTV Spring Break or or any number <laughs> of you know things that were available on cable back then, and it gave me a really warped sense of what was normal, what was healthy, what the world was like, how people actually acted with each other. And it took me a long time to, to where I was able to undo that. And things have only gotten worse as, as the, you know, whatever, 25 years have gone by since then. It's on, the, the landscape is so much worse and the things that our kids look at and see on a daily basis. I and mean, it just it, it boggles the mind that, that people are allowing this. But it's on us as dads, especially, to make sure that we're that first line of defense. But to, to, get to, your, to get to your question, I mean, th- that was kind of like the, the stuff that shaped me in a negative way. But to get to the power of, of media and what you're consuming when you're a kid, some of my best memories on the positive side are also around the, the stories I heard, the, the movies I read. I'll never forget my dad read uh, over the course of like two or three months when I was probably eight or nine years old. Every night he would read a, a section of The Hobbit. And so I, I I was engrossed in that story. I still remember vivid details from that story. I haven't read it since, but I still remember the story. And it's all because we are so, so impressionable at that age. And those memories last and they influence us well into our adulthood.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm right there with you. There's things I wish I hadn't consumed. You know, it's like you... Just like you eat a funnel cake at the state fair or something because it looks really good, but afterwards, like man, I really wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> I feel terrible. Yeah. The, the, the entertainment's the same way. It it's going to feed our minds. Uh, it's going to shape our souls, either for positive or for good. There's not really anything neutral out there. Um, it's going to make them better or worse. When you when you talk about things getting worse now um what specifically do you mean by that when we're look, talking about children's entertainment and stories in particular
0: yeah i mean i i remember back when i was little and, and like i mentioned a minute ago i, I kind of had unfettered access to to really really cable tv i mean that was what you know growing mm-hmm. up in the 90s and early 2000s that was what there was and and the, the mtv was like crack for a little 12 year old kid I mean it was like oh mm-hmm. my god <laughs> I, can, I can watch this stuff and, and, it, and it totally sucked yeah. in and then I also watched all the you know all the uh, cartoons and the Nickelodeon and the Cartoon Network and all that all that stuff and I think the biggest change there, there's really two things two 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 spheres of change that have come come along in media uh, in the past 20 years especially kids media and that's on the The content side, so what's actually in it, what's it it actually about, and then it's on the presentation side. And the presentation side, when I say what I'm talking about when I say that, is the frenetic nature of some of this stuff. I mean, you just, it's like ADHD in a a box that you watch and just plug directly into your brain. I mean, the, the scenes cut every half a second, there's a thousand colors, a thousand sounds, things are moving at the speed of light. And it's so overstimulating, hyper-stimulating that in a way that we never, I don't even know if it was technologically possible to do back then. I don't think the frame rates were high enough for us to have this, right. this, this much of a overstimulation. So, so it's, <laughs> it's gotten worse in that sense In that it's to the point now where yeah, it's like anything, man, like you overstimulate yourself. Once you cut that off, you're, you're searching for something else. You're searching for the next thing and, and everything else feels duller by comparison. So that's bad. And then of course the content, the, the, the subject matters have just gotten progressively worse to the point where there's all types of messaging and, and hidden messaging and you know, call it propaganda, call it whatever you want, slammed in kids programming that, that didn't exist to that scale or in that scope when I think you and I were coming along. Right. And sometimes it's not,
1: it's not even hidden messaging anymore. <laughs> it's just, it's just all the, There's no subtext. It's all text just <laughs> there on the surface. Um, I think it's a weird paradox because there's, there was a time in a lot of ways. You're right. It's gotten entertainment. just gotten a lot worse from an objective standpoint and presentation, beauty, uh, storytelling, all the other stuff, but in some ways it's almost a gift because they have gotten so bad at it. So you have like sort of the, the soft propaganda of the nineties where you had, you know, the kick-ass female characters all the time, the soft, the soft feminism, the all they still had the messages they were trying to get across, but the packaging, they knew how to do it without turning people off. They actually still cared about the story. Um, and so it was a lot easier to get certain things into people's brains that way it, to make it look attractive. But nowadays, it just doesn't look attractive at all. <laughs> and so that that's sort of a paradoxical blessing for how things are going these days, I think.
0: Yeah, I think the more the more they kind of hammer it, hammer you over the head with it, there's going to be a certain uh, percentage of the population on on the right-hand side of the bell curve, especially the intelligence bell curve, they're like, "Wait a minute, I see what's happening here." But but if yeah. it's more, if it's more uh, uh, subliminal or or they use a little bit more subtlety, then it uh, it, it it can be it can be even more uh, insidious in that it influences you more. But like you were saying, you know, back then it wasn't the messaging was much more tempered and measured than it is today, right?
1: So what what have you been doing to start combating this? I know you have a podcast uh called Froggy the Gator. That's right. sort of it's it's an episodic uh kid show, uh sort of harking back to the radio days uh of media. Uh so, so how did you come up with that idea? Why are you doing it? You know, just tell us a little bit about it.
0: Yeah, I mean I think um, I hope I didn't undersell at the beginning the, the good things that can come from media. And, and, and even when we're kids, I mean, I, I mentioned you know, my dad reading Me The Hobbit. I also went and saw, there are movies I went and saw with just me and my dad. We went and saw Jurassic Park 93. I mean, come on, like seeing that in theaters when it's on its first run, like it may have been a little, a little violent for uh, whatever I was, seven year old, but I didn't care. Nobody cared. It was so good. The story was so good, yep. and and what's cooler to a little boy than uh, than freaking dinosaurs come back to life, and then uh, and then we went and saw like Independence Day. Like I have these vivid memories of seeing these these great old '90s movies uh, with with my dad. So that that's something that's always stuck with me. And and when people ever since I started Save Your Sons, people will, one of the common things I get asked is like, well, what. what what was your dad like? What was good about your childhood that you're trying to that you're trying to bring into into the world now? And a and a big part of it was this. What was the was the thing? The stories we consumed together. So it's really important. And I I have this. I think the way I think about the future of Savior Sons is I want to build an alternative to Disney. Uh, I want to be, be a Disney for, for, for people who are fed up with Disney. Um, now, that's a, that's a big, audacious dream and goal, and it's going to take the rest of my life, but it's, it's the vision that I have. But I don't think Walt Disney himself got it wrong when he put a massive emphasis on imagination. You go back and you look at – I've looked at all the old interviews, the old recordings of Walt Disney talking about the genesis of, of Disney as a, as a brand and as a company and as a media media producer. And he all he kept talking about the power of imagination, the power of imagination. And you go look at like some of my old favorite uh, Napoleon Bonaparte quotes. They're about – like whoever – whoever the, the, the best imagination rules the world. And, and it all gets back to how important it is. To be able to use your brain to think about the changes that you want to see in the world, that's all imagination, and reverse engineer those changes into existence. And a lot of that starts when you're a kid. And I have this idea, this belief that childhood should be magical. You should look back on your childhood. In a perfect world, everyone would look back on their childhood with nothing but pure nostalgia happy memories, a magical time period, and stories play a huge role in that. Now, obviously, not, not everybody has that luxury. I mean, there's, everybody has things in their past that, that are bad. Some people had it way, way worse than others. But in a perfect world, we should be building a magical childhood for our kids so that when they get older and they think back to, the, to those years, they think, about, they think about it with nostalgia with this longing for this, this beautiful time period and this ha- these happy memories and this warm feeling. And that all comes from the stories. That A lot of it comes from the stories and the memories that you create around those stories, the things they're consuming. And so I want to give that to my kids. I want my kids to have that. I am not the kind of dad who's out here saying, zero screen time. We're going to cut the cord. You're never going to hear a... <laughs> all, all you can do is read encyclopedias. Like that's not, that's not what I want for my kids. I want them to have what I had, But the mainstream, it's not really available like that right now. And so what can you do? I'm fortunate to have a pretty large platform at this point. I want to keep making it bigger and bigger. But if you want to change something in the world, the best thing you can do is start with yourself. And that was the genesis of my kid's podcast. It's called Froggy the Gator. Just Google Froggy the Gator. It'll pop up, whatever your favorite podcast player is. And it was, uh, it was something that I was doing with my three-year-old, my son, my oldest son is three. And we, uh, we, we had this funny, this like little random, my wife came with two cats when we got married. She already had two cats, but we have this cat toy that shaped like an alligator. And when my son was like one and a half and he was first learning how to talk, he would point to this cat toy and he would call it frog gator, frog gator. (laughs) And so we ended up like me and my wife thought it was hilarious. And it just morphed into this world that that we created all together about Froggy the Gator and his friends, and they have this great imagination. And everything, every episode, it's the same characters, but they're imagining some some magical, uh, some magical journey, like they're going to fight dragons, or they're or they're uh, they're turning into robots, or they're getting superpowers, or whatever. It's 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 giving my son something, and by my son, by extension, other kids who listen to it. Something to attach to, that that gets their imagination going, but isn't full of the frenetic garbage pacing the 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 content that that is sneaking in hidden messages. It's it's pure stuff. It's wholesome stuff, and it's the change that I want to see in the world. And from where I sit today, the easiest step toward that is to crank out another one of these <laughs> another <laughs> one of these podcasts every day. So that's what I've been doing.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how long does it take you to come up with a story idea and write it and get the script ready
0: for one of these? So they're, they're all about eight and a half minutes long and it wouldn't work for me if it, if it was really time consuming and labor intensive. So I, I give myself an hour a day to do the entire thing. I, I write it. I write it. So every morning I'll write 1200 words. Uh, it takes me about eight and a half minutes to read 1200 words. So I write 1,200 words. I've got this Word document with, with every single script in it. And it's, I don't know, it's over it's like 100,000 words now because there's like 60 some of these episodes. I've been doing it for a couple months. And, uh, and, and I'll write the 1,200 words. I'll, I'll record it in, in my uh, audio recording software Logic that I use on my Mac. And then I'll add the music. And that, that whole pro- and then I'll post it. and that whole, Or I'll schedule it. And that whole process takes about an hour, and uh, and then every day, my son is now he he's where he asks like, "Hey, did, is there a new Froggy the Gator? I want to listen to the new Froggy the Gator." <laughs> and so, and we'll we'll listen to it. What we do the the way we do it now is uh, we'll read a couple stories. He gets two stories every night. We read two books, and then he goes and uh, gets in bed, and we pl- we listen to a Froggy. We listen to a Froggy the Gator on on uh, on Spotify or whatever, and and that's his nighttime routine. And so, I, I hope that he, if nothing else. If, if nothing else, if it gives him those memories, it's worth it. But to watch him, I mean, like the, we, we underestimate our kids. I mean, my son is three and a half years old mm-hmm. and he is sucked into these stories. I mean, you can just watch it. You can see it on his face. I'm just sitting here playing it from my phone and his eyes are – he's staring off into the mental me, middle distance. He's never quiet for more than a minute at a time, but he doesn't say a word during these stories. And he's just – you can tell – He's imagining the world, and that's what's so important to me is I want every kid to have that because imagination is the most powerful tool that we have for getting what we want out of life, and it's a muscle. And if you exercise that muscle early like I'm trying to do with these stories, then we're going to have a generation of people who, are, who, are, who have the intellectual firepower to, make, to manifest things, to create things that actually matter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we definitely do underestimate kids. And I think you've hinted on a deep truth about creativity as well, because I've I've also done a children's book that was based on an idea from my daughter. Um, you said you it. got There's this.
0: Pick up. Hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, that, we, we read that one. That's one of the ones that's in, that's heavy in the rotation yeah. still. Yeah,
1: I love to hear it. I love to hear it. I appreciate that.
0: He, he likes the dragon, uh, of course, but but he
1: uh, yeah but he, he yeah, but it it's. Similar to um, to C.S. Lewis wrote the first Chronicles of Narnia for his goddaughter, right? In order to reach in order to reach a broad audience, you have to focus on one person almost. And same for entrepreneurship, you got to solve if you focus on solving one person's problem really well, then you are probably going to solve a whole lot of other people's problems too. And same for these stories, if you are focusing on writing a story for your kids, for example, like you, then you're naturally going to come up with something that lots of other people want to listen to or appreciate. And so I think for other people who are interested in this type of thing and creating their own art, don't just try to do the shotgun approach, right? Just focus on one person that you're writing it for, like a poem for your wife or a story for your children or anything like that. And it makes it much easier and much better, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it makes it, it definitely makes it easier because you're not trying to outsource uh, your, your, you have a focus group of one rather than a focus group of a thousand. So it becomes (laughs) a lot easier to make decisions because you're like, well, this person like it, I don't need to, I don't need to please everybody. I need to please this person. But the other thing I think it does is that it makes it so much more emotionally relevant and resonant. It makes it personal and it's clear it's coming from an emotional place for you or, or a real place for you. This isn't some corporatized thing where I've got a focus group and I'm playing it and I'm, and I'm ch- making changes based on the feedback of a hundred random people. This is for, I love the way you phrased that. Make it for one person. But for me, for me, the stories they're, they're for my son, my oldest son, my yo- our younger son is, is too young, but as he gets older, I'll, I'll make them make them for him too. But it's, it's, you, you put yourself in the eyes of that person, in this case, in the eyes of a kid, a little boy, because I remember what it was like. It's an important thing a fa- every father should do, is think often about what their childhood was like, what was good about it, what was bad about it, and see what they can take from that and apply it to their own families, things they should do, things they shouldn't do. And I put myself in his shoes, and I see, try to see the world the way he does, and I want, incre- I want it to be beautiful. I want it to be fantastic. I want him to look back on it with that nostalgia. And that's where these stories come from. It's like, what is a little three-year-old freaking like? He likes, he likes uh, <laughs> dragons. He likes knights. He likes, um, he likes magic. He likes, you know, all, all that stuff. And, and it's really freeing when you know that, when you've got that, you're like, I'm making this for him. I'm making this for him. And, I'm, and it, it, it helps me know him. It brings me closer to him. But it also, because I know him, I'm never at a loss for what to write about. Like the one I did today, I was I'm wrapping it up right before we got on this on the spaces. is about a is about a boat, <laughs> like, because he thinks boats are awesome. And every time we yep. go to the lake, or every time we're driving down the street and somebody's got a boat hitched to their truck, he shouts like, "Look at that boat!" And he uh, <laughs> and uh, and and he started talking about he, he made up this concept of what he calls an engine boat. I don't even know what that means. I guess it's a boat with a motor on it. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. En- engine boats are really, I like engine boats. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So I make a story about this thing called an engine boat. And, and by virtue of the internet, where you're making something for one person, but it's available to millions and millions of people, statistics takes over, and it's going to appeal to way more than just that one person.
1: Well, let's talk about the sort of insulating kids. Because so you said it's impossible to insulate. You don't just want to plop them down in front of something uncritically or without discernment. But I would say even let's let's take a hypothetical perfect world where your kids consume absolutely no outside media. That <laughs> somehow you've done that, the impossible task. Uh, they've never looked at a screen. They've never done anything like that. But they are going to interact with people in the future who have been catechized and saturated in this media for their entire lives,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes from the cradle. And so, and they're not, it, and if that's the case, they're really not going to know how to speak a language. They're going to be in a, a complete foreigner in a strange land. Um, and so, I think there is some level just like learning any language of where our kids have to be familiar with these things just so they can actually communicate (laughs) with, with other people when they get older Um, especially with pop culture and things like that uh, because it is the water we're swimming in. Um, And even if somehow you're, you're keeping your head above the water the whole time, well, that's not, really helping anyone who's below the water either (laughs) so um i I think you're right that we cannot just stick our heads in the sand about this stuff it's better to create things and and try to take back some of that territory
0: yeah and and it's funny man like it really is it's impossible anyway it's an impossible task to like shelter them and keep them from the stuff, uh, I can tell people our, our rules about it, and and like I mentioned, like my kids are younger, so anyone with older kids usually rolls their eyes. But whatever, this is just what we do. But, um, my, my my son has never held an iPad by himself, and he never will as long as as long as I have my way. He doesn't get to do that. Um, he he looks at iPads at, at grandmommy and granddaddy's house when they're holding them and they're looking at pictures, or maybe. They'll go and look at a video of a, of a train or something on yep. YouTube, um, but, but he never holds it by himself. He's never watched any, anything on – he's watched one movie in his life. It was The Grand Little <laughs> Christmas, and that was, that was when he was sick around last Christmas. And then any time, like if, if he gets sick, like, okay, I'll sit with him. And we'll pull up like uh, a video of construction equipment or monster trucks. That's a big one. He loves watching like, so let's we'll watch like monster truck highlights or something um, on YouTube, but never unsupervised. And, and at most like one or two times a month. Um, but despite all of that, so, so he's never heard of the the standard things that like every other kid, his age is obsessed with despite all that. I was hanging out with him. This was like a year ago when he was like, really could start talking. And he's like, dad, they're like, I, I, I want to watch Paw Patrol. And I was like, <laughs> we have, you have never heard me utter the words Paw Patrol. You have never watched Paw Patrol. How do you know about freaking Paw Patrol as a little two-year-old? Like, what, how did this get to you? How did this filter to you? And it turns out he goes to a, a little daycare at church sometimes. And there's uh, kids there who talk about Paw Patrol. And it stuck with them even as a, as a two-year-old. <laughs> so yep. so like you can do everything quote unquote right as a parent and uh, it doesn't matter. So you're, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna get some of that stuff, like the water you're swimming in, like you said, which I think is a good, a good metaphor. You have to be able to freaking swim. You have to be able to freaking swim. Yep. And so I think the best thing we can do as parents is understand that. Understand that it's not a bad thing if he knows what freaking new Star Wars is. <laughs> like, all right, all right that's. Yeah, and, that's part of and the old Star Wars is great, but, uh, <laughs> but the new Star Wars is not so much, but it's not, yep. it's not a bad thing. So all we can do is help them see it from all angles. Like the the, 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 my favorite metaphor, another great old movie, uh, that, that has since gone off the, the franchise has since gone <laughs> off the rails in this, in this new media landscape we find ourselves in the original matrix. I mean, come on, that's <laughs> good stuff. I don't care what anybody says. That's, that's good stuff. We'll, we'll, yeah. Um, but, but you see you see the code behind it. You know, that, that's what he does when he goes into the Matrix. He can see the whole thing. And so for my kids, the, the, the ideal that we're striving toward is, yeah, you know, there's this mainstream stuff. Um, some of it's good. Some of it's really, really not good. But see the multiple levels of it. Don't just take it at the value that the producers want you to take it at. Take it at the value for what it objectively is, the entire package, all of the different parts, and create a sum that way and help them see that, you know it ain't is there's there's more there's more behind this than than you're seeing if you're just watching it and passively consuming it and helping them see okay well this is when somebody inserts something like this into a story uh, it's a little bit of a hidden message and here's here's how your dad interprets that and you can interpret it the way you want but here's here's how i think about that stuff so it's actively consuming things with your kids that's where i guess the simplest message i can give parents is it's just don't be, don't passively consume things and then not talk about them. If you're going to watch something, yes. make sure that you freaking talk, you pause it in the middle of it. Everyone, you're streaming everything these days. You can pause it and talk about it, or at the very least at the end, talk about it. And, and kids want to do that, by the way. I mean, the best part of, of, uh, of me watching movies with my dad would be we would go out to lunch after or dinner after and sit down and eat and talk about the movie. I mean, kids want to talk about the stuff that they just watched. And that is your chance as a dad to get inside, to, to, to have a little bit of control over how it's being perceived while it's still fresh and it's still processing. And if you waste that, then you're leaving the entire interpretation of whatever piece of media up to the people who created it. And I don't think that's what we want.
1: Right. Yeah, the, the most valuable time I found after like a two-hour movie is the 15 minutes afterward. Yep. Where we're talking about it for sure, where you can frame things, you can ask questions or like you said, you pause it if there's something particularly maybe egregious or special that you want to highlight. And kids remember that stuff um, and they take it to heart because I remember one time. I was watching some movie that was on TV with my dad a long time ago, and it was the Jewel of the Nile.
0: Oh yeah. Which is that
1: which is the sequel to Romancing the Stone, which is you know, that Kef, uh Michael Douglas movie, um sort of like Indiana Jones, but not really. But there was, there was a scene in that in that movie where the Jewel of the Nile, which is this guy, this religious figure, basically walks through this fire unharmed, and everyone starts bowing down in adoration to him. And my dad just looks at me and says they're worshiping that guy. No human does. No human deserves that type of loyalty and admiration. Mm. And I and I've remembered that one phrase in conversation for thirty years. <laughs> I don't remember anything else about the movie, but I remember that one thing my dad said about it.
0: Well, no, no human deserves that level of that,
1: ador- that, that of-, the, of that level of adoration and loyalty. So. Wow. Yeah, it was
0: incredible. And that's the, that's the memory you have. See, there you go. That's exactly it. Like they, they, that's, that's, that's one thing a lot of new, new parents, new dads, I think, don't get, or just parents in general, is that our kids are looking to us for that kind of stuff. They are looking <laughs> for leadership. They are desperate for it. That's why they throw tantrums. That's why they test boundaries. They're looking for something to, to be an authority, a leader in their lives and there's not, they're not going to – the first place they're always going to look until maybe they're teenagers. I want to check in with me when I have teenagers. But the first place they're going to look is always going to be their parents. And so why would we abdicate that and not take advantage of that when we've got them? I mean they, we, we are their entire world. They freaking – dads don't understand how much the kids freaking love them. I mean you've you know, you got grown men. The, 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 their entire life is, is defined by their relationship with their father. your kids freaking love you they want to listen to you they want to look up to you they want to do the things that you do they want to be into the things that you're into especially when they're young so why the hell would we abdicate that and not take those opportunities like your dad did and 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 that's i love that story man because it just shows how freaking true it is
1: yeah and it's and you 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 have the normal memories too i loved the first time i watched Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade with him because that was one of his favorite movies mm-hmm. but but then that hasn't really stuck with me as much as when he said that one sentence so um, let's talk about the as you were saying kids are looking for those boundaries they're looking for clues about who they are who they're supposed to become how they're supposed to act what they're supposed to be and the best way to get that across is through story right because they there's something i I read before where Lego did a study the Lego company did where boys would if say like they take Lego Batman boys would take Lego Batman and have him be Batman and they pretend to be Batman Girls would take Lego Batman and have Batman do tea parties or be, do do something else so they they wanted Batman to become what they wanted, but boys wanted to be Batman. <laughs> and so um, this is, I, mean, I didn't want to draw that hard of a line overall, but the stories can give pictures of what kids are supposed to imitate and give them uh, examples of who to imitate, and what to imitate, and especially for boys. It's true for girls, too, but it's especially for boys. They have to know what character they want to try to be when they grow up. Um, and the imitation, every single act of imitation is a little bit becoming that thing, even if they're faking it. Fake it till you make it is true in, in a lot of senses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, if, if, they, they're, if they've grown up reading about Aragorn and Frodo and Bilbo uh, or any of these other heroes they can have that picture in their head Um, or they can have a poisonous picture in their head that has lied to them throughout their childhood Uh, and that can be damaging to where if they come to a decision they don't have this picture of what they're supposed to do um, because they haven't been given any real heroes, any ideal to strive for um, so I think that's one of the things that stories can really can really help with with children and at least give parents some handles for that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's stories and it's more broadly just the representation of of those role models in media. I mean, look, look at like look at the uh, the music landscape right now. And a lot of kids, especially if they're growing up without a dad. They're they, then they probably aren't. They probably are having unfettered access to music and music videos and and the 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 guys who are popular on TikTok or whatever, and those become their stand-in male role models. Well, that, <laughs> that, that's not. I, I think we could all agree that that the majority of the people who are who are in those industries or are creating that type of content are not the type of role models. That are going to lead to a happy and well-adjusted and fulfilled life as a, as a grown man, and that but that's what we're giving them, and to and to give a their sense of the power that like like we've been saying they they're looking for something to imitate. They're looking so freaking hard, it's subconscious. They don't even know they're doing it, but it is a huge part of their hardwiring to find these examples because it's like any it's like a little bird learning how to fly. Yeah, a lot of it's instinctual, but they but they don't know how to do it, and they see it. They see it happening. And my hmm. son, I, uh, I have this weird, like this weird, like thing that I do sometimes where I'm sitting and I'll like put my feet up and cross my, cross my feet on whatever I'm resting my feet on. I don't even, I didn't even notice that I did it until one day, I don't know, six months ago, I look over at my son and he's sitting on a chair looking at a book and he's got his feet propped up and crossed exactly the same way that, <laughs> that I do. And my wife pointed out, she's like, freaking look at him well, look what he's doing. And I was like, oh my God, like (laughs) they're watching that that stuff. that's that small. Imagine how much they're watching the big stuff. Imagine how much they're, they're taking in and how much of that big stuff is sticking. And if we don't give them the right role models and and that can be, you can do it in surrogacy through the media. That that's a big part of like, I, I there's plenty of media figures that have come along over the years that I would love for my son to admire and look up to if we don't give them if we don't be the filter for that a a we got to be the, the main the main influence the main the main superhero that they look up to we there can't be a drastic <laughs> difference between their their superheroes that they look up to in media and their dad <laughs> we, have to, we have to somewhat look the same and, and uh, or, or else they're going to gravitate towards them and not be yeah but, or at least
1: be but, striving but, toward it
0: right. to, yeah, to yeah, say yeah. that yes
1: we are also striving toward the same thing even though we're not going to do it perfectly. We're striving for it as well, so yeah,
0: right. And they have to see that, and, and, mm-hmm. and that's why I always, I always get to like a lot of the, a lot of the things I hear. I think it's something that, that the modern sort of discussion around fatherhood and masculinity gets wrong is that they're always they, they, there's so much focus on um, actions matter, words don't actions actions speak louder than words, and and I agree that actions do speak louder than words. Okay, like you can have you can have hollow words that mean nothing and there's no substance behind them, and you're never going to back them up. Like, I get that. But, you, but what people, the danger of that is that they then, is that dads, when they're teaching and bringing along their boys or their kids, they forgo words completely. And words are everything. It, you, you have to be intentional about talking, imparting these messages verbally, as well as setting the examples. And that's another place where stories come in. You know, like a lot of the stories in my podcast, or extended allegories. They're, they're like uh, extended me- metaphors or whatever, you know, like, like a lot of good stories are. <laughs> and, and that that's our chance to, because if we forget about the power of words and we just try to leave everything up into interpretation, but, but based on our example, well, that's where doubt can creep in. And that's where uncertainty can creep in. And uncertainty creates a vacuum that they'll try to fill through looking elsewhere. right.
1: And like you said, sometimes you don't even notice it. Um, notice it happening. The I've been reading Lord of the Rings, or we've been listening to Lord of the Rings with my kids lately. And I, my youngest son was eight, and I didn't think he was really paying much attention to it because he would be rolling around, and it seems like he's in his own little world playing with other toys, drawing, or whatever. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he comes one day up to me and he's wrapped a blanket around his face and has his hat on and his wooden dowel to act like a staff and suddenly he's pretending to be Gandalf <laughs> just out of nowhere out of absolutely nowhere but it wasn't out of nowhere because you know he's he's been actually been listening even though it didn't really seem like he was listening so you just never know what's going to catch at all <clears throat> right. um well, what's next for Save Your Sons? I know you have a children's book that's out that's the same brand, right? Froggy the Gator, um, and the keep going. Go ahead, and then and then the podcast. But what's what's next that you see on the radar for you?
0: So the the, the way I think about business, for better or worse, is the, the what's always worked for me is. I know what the end, I know what I want the end to look like. To look like. I know what I want the vision to be. And, and, and that's malleable too, that you have to be able to, to change that a little bit as you get, as, as your life changes and as the world changes and as you get all these different new inputs. But I generally know what the end is supposed to look like. And I generally know what I'm supposed to do very next, the very next thing I'm supposed to do. And, and what comes in between, that's where the, that's where the unknown is. But that's okay. So for me, it's I, need, I know every single day what I need to do to to advance this thing, to advance the, to advance toward the vision that I want to do, and then I just leave myself open to the rest of the opportunities that that are out there. So for me, it's do I, I'm doing one episode a day right now. I promised myself I would do that for 6 months, one episode per weekday. And I've been I've held to that. And the the podcast is growing, the listenership is growing, and it's getting to a point where I think it's pretty healthy. And, and it's, and it, it, the the tricky thing about podcasts is it's not supported by an algorithm whatsoever. So any growth is going to have to come from um, either traditional advertising or me taking traffic from my social media properties and putting it onto the podcast. So it's not going to grow algorithmically like a YouTube channel would, or like a Twitter page would, or an X page, (laughs) excuse me. Um, But, but that's okay. So I know that that's the next thing I need to do. And then, but then how I get to this, uh, where Froggy the Gator is mentioned in the same breath as Mickey Mouse. Well, that, you know, the, what comes in between is is the ride. That's the journey. And and there's a lot of guys out there that are doing some really cool and interesting things. And I'll say the, the book, by the way, so this is, this is an example of what I'm talking about. So I've got a book illustrated and ready to go based on the same characters, the Froggy the Gator characters. And my original plan was I wanted to do one every month. So I have an, I have an illustrator who's really talented. And I, and I had, I have a whole system. I had a whole system built out where like, here's, I'm going to take my scripts. I'm going to turn them into 24 page kids books. I'm going to give you the pages and the, and the illustration design suggestions and you're going to crank them out. We're going to self publish them through, through uh, KDP. And so we got the first one done. I self published it and it came to me, it came back to me and it was just like, I, it was so bad. The quality, <laughs> like the print quality was just, it felt so cheap and awful. And I was just like, I can't sell this. I can't in good con- I would have had to sell it for like $14 anyway to even make a buck on each one or two bucks on each one. I was like, I, I can't in good conscience sell this. And so I was sort of sitting around being like, well, you know, the, there, there's still something to the books, but I know that's a tough industry anyway Um, it, it, it would take up a lot of my time for a very small financial boost right now. And, and then you're, so you're leaving yourself open. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing very next, but the journey in between is unknown. And that's where you have to be open to opportunities. And something really cool that's happening is you and me aren't the only guys that think this way (laughs) about, about kids media. And I was, I happened to be scrolling X one day. And, uh, and I saw a Michael Foster tweet about Sherwood, which is, uh, which is a new, it's like a kid's media platform. It's like a, uh-huh. it's like an app on your phone where they've, they, they have media for kids, uh, books, shows, movies, podcasts that are vetted by the creators are all dads. And, and, and we know that what's in there is wholesome and good for kids and doesn't contain any hidden messages or any, any harmful messages. And, and it's something that you're comfortable with your kids watching. And, and to me, that was like, this is, he, they're building exactly what I had in my head, what I knew needed to be built. And so the second I saw it, I reached out, I was like, this is awesome guys. Like here, I'm, I'm here. I got across platforms, almost a million freaking people have decided to follow my, my, my silly self. Like, let me help. And, (laughs) And, and, and they were excited too. And so, and so now what I'm doing is, uh, all of my all of my podcast episodes. Sherwood's going to launch, in, in at the end of September, I think is the is the current goal. And you can get it now. You can sign up for lifetime access now for for like two hundred bucks, and then you get it forever. It's, it doesn't it, it, it won't be a monthly thing. Mm-hmm. You can sign. I have a code that uh, if you want, just DM me. I can send you my code, and it'll give you a hundred dollars off. So you can get it lifetime for a hundred dollars. Uh, but once it comes out, it'll be a monthly fee kind of similar within line of of what you're paying for all your other streaming platforms but my my show will be on there and um and i'm going to be promoting it and and i want as many people to sign up for it as possible because it'll help grow my show help grow the intellectual property that i'm trying to develop but it's also building this platform for other creators and other people who have this vision of we, we want our kids to have great stories. We want them to have great memories of their childhood. We just want to be in freaking control of what they're seeing and what they're consuming. And that's what they're building. And I'm really excited and grateful to be a part of it.
1: Yeah. We don't want to be blindsided by, <laughs> by things for sure. Uh, yeah. So Sherwood looks like a very interesting opportunity and platform. Um, I actually know one of the founders, personally on that um, he was involved in the same school that I was, and it's i I think it's gonna go places it, it looks exciting they even have the if you look at some of the old catalog they've they've licensed or in the process of licensing like some older cartoons like the old Superman cartoons flesher ones if you've seen those i I have a fond memory of watching those when I was a kid um, so just not just new content but also the great stuff from yesteryear so i think it's a great idea
0: yeah i mean it's just nice to know that <laughs> like like yeah you still want to actively consume things and and you have to do that and that has to be a part of it but it's nice to know it, it's such a peace of mind to know that nothing's gonna pop up <laughs> where or you're like ah uh we're not watching uh we're not watching that anymore or oh gosh like let's have this conversation around what you just saw uh, uh-huh. You just know going into it that that's not going to happen. It, 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 there's nothing objectionable, and kids' media shouldn't be objectionable. If, if there's something that a dad has to explain <laughs> so from from a kids' media, then you're like, the, the, where you think the messaging is is harmful or damaging? Like that, that's a bad sign because they don't need anything like that, anything remotely like that. They need good, wholesome stories with good morals that we all there's value that every single person in this country will agree so let's so let's give them those values let's give them to them in a way that keeps them engaged that keeps their imagination running and forget about all of this other politicized crap that they try to shove in
1: yeah well very cool any anything else you want to add about this topic before we no, close out man,
0: I'm, I'm i encourage anybody who's listening if they want to chat my dms are open i'm 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 pretty busy my, the majority of my business is around helping uh Helping my clients, so uh, so they they obviously take the the first priority. But I'm always here to answer to answer questions or to talk about this stuff further. It it, it really is such an underappreciated but important thing for our kids because what you're – I talk about this all the time. Your reality is completely made up of the inputs that you put into your brain. You can't you can't hold two thoughts at once. You can't think two things at once. Try and do it. You can't freaking do it. So if you're watching the news and, and it's this depressing story or this, this like enraging story that's just designed to get you angry and mad, all of a sudden you're angry and mad. It's that powerful. It controls your emotions. And even a second, I don't watch the news, obviously, but I'll go to the gym and it'll be on on the TVs. And even if I just look at it and see the little crawl across the bottom. I can feel myself. I can feel the emotions starting to change, and how I'm feeling, and how I'm perceiving the world start to change. This stuff is freaking powerful, and people don't realize it. It's so much more powerful than having a one-on-one conversation because it has, it has the implied authority of coming from a, from on high, from a from a box. Uh-huh. That's why social media is so powerful. Like I can say, I'm just a dude in North Carolina. Like I'm not, there's nothing special about me. But but people see what I say and, and add and take so much more. Cr- they, they add so much more weight to it just because I happen to have also a big audience behind it. Well, like, like <laughs> it shouldn't, it shouldn't work that way, but it does. And so the things that people are consuming, especially our kids, you cannot just let this be let, let put this on the back burner. It has to be something that you're thinking about all the freaking time because it's creating their reality by creating their reality. It creates their days, their day to day. And by creating their day to day, it impacts their future and that's something that that we all want to be aware of yeah
1: if you wouldn't feed your kids junk food every day then how much more so would you feed their souls or their minds Mm. so yeah uh what do you got a couple minutes to take some questions i think we've if anyone has any questions on the space we could probably take a couple yeah man let's see all right let me Zulu one. Let's see. Well, all right. Zulu one. Yeah. Uh, go ahead.
2: Hey guys. Uh, thanks for putting on this space. What a, what a cool concept, you know, just, um, you know, kind of understanding how to lead our, our, our voices. Is, is needed, so thank you guys for putting this together. Um, what, um, what concept? I i, I deal with uh unresolved trauma and family systems a lot, and i and I've found um, how we grew up or how our peers in-
1: you're breaking up quite a bit,
2: so yeah, we can understand stand up to Sorry. I, I lost it um and you know how much uh, and how much unresolved trauma affects the sto- the implications of those stories. How do you you know deal with that and and you know people's victim identity or how how do you what tools do you give people to be able to deal with that?
1: I'm not a hundred percent sure, but so you're talking about um people who've specifically been under certain types of trauma um or abuse or something like that and how to deal with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the thought is that, you know, the stories that, are, that we tell ourselves usually come from that. And that might be that you didn't get enough attention. You got too much attention. There was a divorce, there was separation, there was infidelity, whatever that happens. And those stories start, you know, implicating members of the family, right? It's like, or the stories that your mom, you know, maybe your parents are separated and the stories that your mom told about your dad are effectively talking about 50% of who you are. Right. so like 50% of you, mm-hmm. can you cuss on, on this, on this space?
1: Um, that might be out of, yeah. out of scope. And I don't think either, either of us are, 50% or, of you
2: <laughs> are is a piece of crap or something like that. You know, just a, that story has an effect of who you are, who you are.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, like it, it, when it comes to adults with, with trauma, like, obviously I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a, I'm not a licensed therapist. i am I've been through a good amount of life and I've I've dealt with some, dealt with some things and I've helped other people deal with things, but take everything I say with a grain of salt. But the, but for an adult, like there's, there's all kinds of resources. Uh, it sounds like probably you uh, really one, like that, that. That's a good resource. And, and I'm, I'm a big fan of, of um, certain types of therapy, not other types of therapy, but I'm a big fan of men, especially if, if, if men need to talk about this stuff with other men in a, in a place that they know that, that, it's not going to get out. (laughs) The things they say aren't going to get out. Uh, So, so seek those relationships out when it comes to our kids, the, what, what it sounds like you're getting at, and this is something I believe really strongly in is the best thing that we can, one of the best things that we can do is everything that we tell them, keep in mind that it is forming their self-image. We, they, they are going to start believing certain things about themselves based on how we talk about them. And a common example is like if, if, if you ever say this around your kid, if, if, you, if you're introducing your kid to somebody and your kid kind of gets nervous and bashful and maybe they hide their face and they don't want to talk to a person, don't sit there and say, oh, sorry, uh, little Timmy's just shy. You're labeling your kid as shy. And all of a sudden that's building into their self-image and that, that's becoming as part of that story. They tell themselves, yeah, I'm a shy kid. I grew up a shy kid. The people that say they grew up shy kid, every kid's freaking shy. Come on. It's a great big world, and it's terrifying for a kid. Of course they're going to be shy. You don't need to tell them that because every kid who grows up saying, yeah, I was a shy kid, they're only saying that because some adult in their life labeled them that way. And God knows the implications that it has in their life today. How many chances are they not willing to take? How many steps are they not taking out, they're putting themselves out into the world because they've labeled themselves as shy? So when you're, if, you, if you have to label your kids, make it a positive label. And another, another technique that my wife and I use around our kids all the time I got. A, I'm going to write an email about this next week. Actually, is uh, is this concept of gossiping about your kids? So, so I don't tell my kid. I don't tell my son if he does something right. I don't say. Well, sometimes I will, but not all the time. I won't say, "Hey, uh, that was really polite of you. You just you just showed good manners. Thank you for that." Instead, talk to your wife while your kid's in earshot and say, "Hey, did you did you see what our boy just did? He just had the best manners." He has such good manners. I'm so proud of the way that he acted in that situation. And and he said, thank you. When the waiter brought him his drink. Wow. That, that really makes me proud of our buddy. So do it like that and build their self image up. Don't give them these negative labels and they'll tell themselves better stories about themselves.
1: Yeah. Well said. Our words live in their bones for better or for worse. Um,
0: the, the words of a father can take on the weight of destiny. I, I've, I heard that quote somewhere, and it just gives me chills to this day. But the weight, the, the, the image we create for our kids, they're going to live up to it one way or the other, for better or worse. So you better make sure that it's the right, the right self-image.
1: Uh-huh. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Harrison, for joining um, you can find him, save your sons, of course, on X, um, not Twitter, uh, also Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: yep.
1: Uh, yeah, he's, he's on all the socials, um, and be sure and check out Froggy the Gator on your favorite podcast platform. Um, uh, yeah. Thanks again.
0: Appreciate you, Matt. This has been a lot of fun. Let's do it again sometime soon. Thank yeah, for you everybody sure. for listening. Go get if you got kids, listen to Froggy the Gator with them. They're going to love it or find something some positive media, some positive stories to enjoy with them and then make sure that you're watching it or consuming it with them and that you're talking to them about it. That's the key.
2: Yep. Have a good day everyone. All right.